It is the 200 level episode 221 statement win. Extremely happy valley. I don't know. We'll, we'll think of a name and I'll get it up on the podcast feed. But holy crap. Nine overtimes. And I did not realize these were the new overtime rules. So I, after the second overtime, I'm doing some chores around the house, this or that. And then I see them calling this play is for Illinois to win the game. I'm thinking, what the hell's going on? Then it hits me that this is basically just like haymaker after haymaker, though. That might not be an apt metaphor for those nine overtimes. That was ugly, right? It was. But Illinois beat the number seventh ranked team. I'm going to kind of go over my words a little bit here. I'm excited. I'm I'm bubbly right now. They beat the seventh ranked team in the nation, Penn State, in Happy Valley, 18 to 16, 20 to 18. What the hell was the final score? There were all these twos at the end of it. Incredible. 20 to 18. Where to begin? I don't think any of us would have predicted this. I was actually doing yard work and listening to the DWS feed with Barnhart and O'Donnell. And as that game was going on in the third quarter, there were a couple of long drives in a row by Illinois that made me think, holy crap, they might actually be able to do this. And then when it was tied 10-10, I thought, easy, get a stop, long drive, and that'll take care of it. Well, an hour and a half later, here we are. It is 324 on Saturday afternoon, and Illinois gets the win that actually not only is this a big win and the first time they've won on the road against a top 10 team since, you guessed it. Ohio State back in 2007. This is also, and we're going to get macro in a bit, a statement win, which is a possible title for this podcast, one that I think can finally get some momentum going for Bielema and his staff on the road in recruiting. But this also opens up the door to make a bowl game. Three and five with Minnesota, Rutgers, and Northwestern left on the schedule. The way this defense is playing, let's see what happens. We have intrigue for the second half of this Illini football season thanks to this absolutely shocking result. And if this is not my most eloquent podcast, I do apologize, but my brain is in a million different directions right now. That was awesome. I need to start with the defense. Just an absolutely spectacular performance. You can't really put enough hyperbole on how well they played. If I just get at the box score here, we're looking at 227 yards for a Penn State offense that averages nearly 400 per game. And that was zero turnovers for Penn State, too. So Penn State played a clean game. You just kept everything in front of you. You had sound tackling. Uh, Just a fantastic game from that entire unit. And Ryan Walters has been a superstar since that Virginia game. When you look at the last five games for this Illinois defense, if I look at the points given up here, let's see here. Maryland, 20. Purdue, 13. Charlotte, 14. Wisconsin, 24. Penn State, 18. This is a far cry from the kind of defense that we saw in the last five years before Bielema brought his staff here. So we're starting to see that, okay, this is the blueprint, a good defense, and then a good run game. And boy, was the run game spectacular today. Illinois with 401 total yards, 363 of those were rushing. Now, the other side of that token means your passing game is terrible, and we'll we'll cross that bridge in a bit. But this is going to be an extremely happy podcast, and why not? Illinois beat Penn State on the road, the biggest win since on the road at least, since Ohio State. I know the Wisconsin win back in 2019. Of course, that set you up for a bull win as or a bull appearance as well. This might do the same. And I can't believe that I'm sitting here on October 23rd when I left this team for dead, and I think we all did. And then all the things that happened the week leading up to this game, beginning with the Monday press conference and all the reactions afterwards. 
Holy moly, where to begin? Before I get too far into this emergency victory pod, I got to remind you, uh, our sponsors, of course, DP Doe, get a celebratory calzone for the love of God. They will deliver it to your doorstep. DP Doe celebrating their 15th year. They remember the Rose Bowl year. That was their second year in operation. So basically, it's been a DP Doe's lifetime's worth of... uh, Losses on the road to good teams before you finally got another one at Penn State. I don't know if that made any sense at all. DPDoe.com. I need to to chill out. Too much coffee. That's my problem. Fourth and Kirby online at fourthandkirby.com. Vintage-inspired Illini apparel for football. Yes, football season. Still semi-relevant, right? And basketball season tonight, we're tipping off at the State Farm Center. I cannot wait for that. I might be wearing one of my 4th and Kirby shirts for that. So go online to 4thandkirby.com. Rector Construction online at R-E-C-T-O-R construction.com for all your home exterior needs. These guys are expert craftsmen, great customer service, and uh, they're also really good citizens of Champaign-Urbana. Since they've been open, they have always been giving back to Champaign-Urbana as a townie. I appreciate that. Good dudes, you got the CARP stamp of approval. That's rectorconstruction.com. And finally, State Farm agent Brian Hansen online at brianismyguy.com. Life, auto, home, business, renters, you name it. Brian is my guy. Let him be your guy for all your insurance needs. That is brianismyguy.com. Holy mackerel. Okay, here's the coffee. Oh, Alana Inquirer, Champagne Showers Podcast Network. And of course, all the listeners, we appreciate the partnerships with those guys, the listeners out there. And uh, our sponsors as well. What a win. Okay. Um, This day started as one of those, oh, right, Illinois has a football game today. I would say by 1230 or 1 o'clock, it felt like, well, wait a second. This is intriguing. And I did get to a point in the fourth quarter where I thought, you know, even if they don't win this game, I like enough of what I've seen to think, okay, that this thing can work. And talk about the roller coaster that fans ride, and I am as guilty as anybody of that. Just, you know, a few days ago, I'm I'm sort of riding off this team and thinking, good Lord, it's going to be three to four years before Bielema gets this thing going. But what programs need is a shot in the arm. They need something to get them going. They need a statement win that they can sell. And it feels like they got that today. And I don't care how ugly it was. As the overtimes were going on and on, I realized that moral victories, they weren't really in the cards. I mean, I wasn't going to do a podcast after a nine overtime loss. I would have been bummed. Uh, I, I would have hated all the missed opportunities, but you know, hey, guess what? The shoe's on the other foot. We don't need to worry about those what ifs. You got the win, and that's all that matters is the W. And and style points. That's not ever going to be Brett Bielema's thing here. Doesn't need to be. All we're asking for is competence and some consistency. And when you can run the ball like that, and when you can play defense like this team just did against a great offense. And I know Clifford wasn't himself, but you kept Penn State at bay for, what, 60 minutes of regulation, and if we factor in all the overtime plays, let's say uh, 70 minutes of of football that we got today. Now, here's one thing that goes hand in hand, and this is, I'm guessing, the Bielema blueprint, if you can trademark that or not, the Bielema blueprint. It's difficult to say. You run the ball, you keep the ball out of the other team's hands, and you keep your defense fresh. And I'm going to pull up the time of possession here, but it was a remarkable difference between these two teams. Uh, Let's see if I can't pull that up. Okay, time of possession. I don't see this, unfortunately, on my dopey sports app, but I do know that at one time, I think it was 36 to 18 in Illinois' favor. And I'm guessing it didn't change much after that because that was with, I think, six minutes to go in regulation. A remarkable difference in that. If you think back to the Lovey Smith era, the one thing that was always a disconnect was that you had an offense that 
had really quick possessions and you kept forcing the defense on the field and you never won the time of possession. And if you did in the Lovey Smith era, I mean, I could probably count on one hand the times that you did. Even the Wisconsin upset in 2019, I'm pretty sure you did not win time of possession. I'd have to check. So what this does is, you know, it may not be the most exciting brand of football, but as the game is going on, you realize you're kind of lulling Penn State to sleep. And that's what Illinois did today. They lulled Penn State to sleep. If you're in the stands with the 100,000 people that erector set of a stadium, you're thinking, what the hell is going on here? This might have also been a factor of Penn State looking ahead to Ohio State, coming off a bye week and treating Illinois like a warm-up gig. And I, I get that. Why would you be up for playing an Illinois team that has not been playing well as of late and can't? really score a lot of points. Well, guess what? Illinois still didn't score a lot of points. The game still hit the under despite going nine overtimes. My friend just told me that. I, I, I can and also can't believe it at the same time. It's just a crazy stat. You hit the under with all those extra overtime periods, but it was enough. And I'm thinking with this defense and with the likes of Rutgers offense, Minnesota, Northwestern, if the defense does what they did today, then you're really just asking the offense to score 20 points a game. I think they can do that. I said that before the Wisconsin game, that if you score 20 points, I think you got a 50-50 shot. I think if you score 20 points against the likes of Rutgers, Minnesota, and Northwestern, you got much more than a 50-50 shot. If this team finds their way to six wins, holy moly. And I know that is putting the cart before the horse, but it is possible now because of this absolutely insane win that before the season, I and I'm sure many other people said, just go on and throw that one out. Penn State, not going to happen, especially at Penn State. Not that it would have changed that much if it were here. If this game would have been a Memorial Stadium today, there would have been maybe 25,000 people in the stands on what has been a cloudy, kind of dreary Saturday. And then in the fourth quarter, some of the tailgate lots would have said, holy crap, I haven't used my ticket yet. Let's go inside and check it out. Not all that dissimilar from back in 2014 when Beckman at 4-6 and six somehow got a win against Penn State at home. The difference, I don't think that Penn State team was ranked. And if they were, we're talking borderline top 25. This is a top 10 Penn State team that had aspirations of making the title game. Here's the key moment of the game, which tells me that this may be the turning point. And I, listen, you're going to probably hear what sounds like a bunch of hyperbole today, and that might be the excitement of the win just coming out of me. When you had two touchdowns taken away from you, wiped off the board from first an ineligible man downfield, okay, come back. And then I think they accepted the offensive pass interference. So now you're at second and 20. Then you get a penalty on Penn State. I think a face mask. You get first and 10. You score again and you get it wiped off for what was it? Offensive pass interference or holding. Sorry, on Palchewski, I think, on the other side of the play. And I've seen far more egregious holding calls than that. You end up getting the field goal to tie it. Okay, fine. 10 minutes to go or nine minutes to go at that point. You're all tied up, but nonetheless, you had an opportunity to take the lead, and it felt like you got screwed. Are they bad calls? Maybe not. Maybe not. And I'm not going to say the officiating cost you the game, because fortunately, it didn't. But at that time, it was difficult to not fall back into that usual trap that we do as Illini fans, thinking we are getting screwed again. And the team, fortunately, did not fall into that same trap. The fact that they scored two touchdowns off the board, still get the field goal, still force an overtime, and then take it nine overtime periods to finally get the win. 
That is remarkable resiliency from a team whose last game was against Wisconsin, didn't even get 100 yards from scrimmage, I don't think. And that score did not indicate how much you got blown out by a fairly mediocre Wisconsin team. That could have been it. If I think back to 2019, the game at Minnesota, that team after that had the second half comeback against Michigan and then the Wisconsin one. Just when I thought they were dead, they found some resiliency and pulled themselves back up. Maybe this is what this is for this team. But the difference between what it felt like in 2019 and what it feels like now is that you are at the beginning of a new coaching era. And back then, there were so many receipts on Lovey that the Wisconsin one, for as fun as it was... We didn't know what longevity it might have had. I mean, frankly, it turned me into this sort of, well, if it works, great. And I'll be with Lovey every step of the way if this thing works. But I still had my doubts. The way that you won today and the way that this week unfolded tells me that there might be a culture shift happening at the, I bet said B-Felt. That's what Underwood already did. He already did the culture shift over at the uh, Smith Performance Center. There may be a culture shift happening right now. Let's talk about this week. Monday, you have the press conference with Brett Bielma. It goes viral. And then the next day, he takes a transcript to his players and says, this is what I said, and this is what it means. Now, I was actually just thinking yesterday about that. Was he making too big of a deal with his own players? Like, imagine being in a team meeting and coach brings in transcripts, and you're thinking, coach, and it's fine, man. We got it. You don't need to go through all this trouble. And then eventually, when coach does that, you start thinking, man, is he just trying to cover for himself? I was thinking that yesterday and wondering, was that a miscalculation from Brett Bielema? Well, whatever happened this week, the players certainly did not quit on him. And my fear was that just naturally, you're two and five. There's not much to play for. You're playing a really good Penn State team. What hope is there? And that this could get ugly really quick. And then even the coaching staff naturally starts thinking towards the future. And then this happens. Whatever fire he lit under the collective asses of this team, it worked. And that is pretty remarkable. When you consider where the temperature was of this fan base at 10.59 a.m., enough to necessitate a tweet from me, being a bit of a smartass, over under, uh, turning off the game to go do yard work, 11.23 a.m. Central Time. Well, I watched the game on TV until I think noon. It was 10-0. I decided I'll listen to it instead. Came back in for the fourth quarter in overtimes to watch all of that unfold. And holy crap, guys. I mean, this is, I hope, I hope to God, the game that we look back on as the beginning of a long run of success for Brett Bielema. I don't know if that it will be. They could lose to Rutgers next week, right? This is still probably not a good football team. And Penn State did their part to let you stay in it. But eventually, you went out and got it. The defense went out and got it. And the complimentary football, running the ball like you did, and tiring out a Penn State defense to finally break through in the eighth and ninth overtimes. Uh, wow. Uh, here's another thing too. And we know the quarterback thing is just abysmal. Art Sikowski is a bad quarterback. Brandon Peters is a bad quarterback. But Brandon Peters gets the game-winning throw. That's going to be a highlight that will continue to pop up on Twitter on the anniversary of that Penn State game. Anytime that Illinois plays Penn State in football, remember back in 2021, Brandon Peters sealed the deal. Because before that, I don't know what the signature play would have been. You had a bunch of 10-yard runs from McCray and Chase Brown, and I hope Chase Brown's okay. Um, Sitkowski looks to probably have broken a wrist. The way he was holding that, he got taken in the locker room. But Brandon Peters gets a big throw. 
I mean, this is something that doesn't change the fact that you got quarterback issues aplenty. But what if, what if best case scenario, this has been a confidence thing for Brandon Peters and all it took was one throw. One throw when called into crunch time, the eighth and ninth overtimes, that got him off the schneid. It could happen. Now, the issues outstanding with this team. There's there's plenty of those. The fact is they got the win today. I, I'm still processing this. This is going to be a short podcast because we'll have more to talk about tomorrow after the Illinois basketball scrimmage or ex- exhibition, which I'm going to tonight. Would not at all be surprised if Beal made an appearance. I think the football team should make an appearance. Why not? I mean, they're going to get back into town, I would guess, probably 7 o'clock or something like that with the flight and then go over the stadium and introduce him. For the 12, 13,000 fans that I'm guessing will be at the basketball game tonight, exhibition game or not, Illini fans now, holy crap, talk about an adrenaline shot that we so needed for football, and then we get to go and enjoy an exhibition game tonight for basketball and and soak this in. Thank God. You know, I, I wasn't here for the Nebraska game, but even from afar, you could feel the good vibes, and it felt like, yes, new coaching staff, competence, here we go. Speaking of coaching competence, that was the best game that Tony Peterson has had. He tried everything in the kitchen sink. And you know what? I got to give him credit. The run game was what it was. It was fantastic. The passing game, I don't know how much of that was schematic. I don't know how much I can pin on Tony Peterson for Art Sitkowski not being that good and for your receivers probably not being that good either. So what does he do? He gets creative. He does some trick plays. And, and that's what they're going to have to do. They're going to have to do some smoke and mirrors to get some points. And that's fine if that's what it takes. And better late than never, man. Better late than never that he figures out, this is what I got to do with this offense. Some of the regression with passing seems to go beyond just, well, Art Sitkowski and Brandon Peters aren't good. But maybe we can start to see just incremental improvement in the passing game, assuming that Brandon Peters will be the starter going forward. And he probably will be. I mean, And it is what it is, right? But Tony Peterson, his best game of the year, without question. And you're starting to see, okay, well, that's what he would like to do, run the ball. You're going to have McCray and Chase Brown next year as well. You're going to have to build an offensive line through the transfer portal, but maybe you can sell that. Maybe you can say, you guys, I'm going to turn you into NFL offensive linemen because as they showed today during the game, I think Brett Bielma has put 12 or 13 offensive linemen in the NFL. So that's a pretty good track record. Um, But yeah, Tony Peterson, kudos to you. I, I was extremely worried about that hire. I still have concerns about it, but after a day like today, hey, just keep running it. Just keep running the damn ball. That does go into overtime. I was concerned how, you know, the eighth and ninth overtimes, finally you scored, but between the third and the seventh overtimes, pass, 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 one McCray run, pass. And thinking, oh my God, if they would have just ran the ball every time, they would have punched through, right? I know it wasn't Chase Brown, but they would have punched through. Now, keep in mind, the third overtime that could have ended it, that was a good play call. McCray was open. McCray just didn't hold on to it. Not a good pass catcher yet. A good play call by Peterson. A good throw by Sitkowski, right? Didn't quite happen. So there were some decent calls in that overtime. I understand how tough it probably is to call a single play when the defense only has three yards to defend in the end zone. I remember even in Madden feeling like it was easier to score from the 15 than it was the three. 
you just have more space to work with. Uh, not that I had any faith that Sitkowski could have delivered a throw from the 15-yard line, but even for the run game, it seemed like they were doing better from the 20 and the 25 and the 15 than when they got down to the very thick of it with three yards to go. But uh, it, it, it's a win. You know, so all these things, what I love is being able to nitpick a few things and hope that the coaching staff learns from them. But to be able to do so after a win is so much more fun, so much better than what I was worried every time that we didn't convert a two-point conversion, that it was just going to end with Penn State scoring and then that's just kind of it. But the shoe was on the other foot. Imagine being in that stadium as a Penn State fan and Illinois gets that two-point conversion in the ninth overtime and it's just kind of over. And the feeling of emptiness they have in at Penn State right now. Just imagine that. Now, I love it because Penn State can go screw themselves. And, and I don't want to say that I'm still holding them, holding their feet to the fire for everything that happened during the Paterno era, but I kind of am. I, I don't think if karma existed, I don't think that that is a fan base that should be enjoying the spoils of victory. I just don't. Um, Illini fans, to my knowledge, we have not had a football program partake in anything remotely like what Penn State did. So I think that we are due to partake in the spoils of victory. And today we get to do that. Damn it. We're three and five. I know that it's an uphill climb to make a bowl game. Maybe at five and seven with the APR stuff, you know, the graduation rate, maybe you get into a bowl game. But you got three very winnable games on the schedule. Iowa, we'll see, but I'm not holding my breath. I don't want to get too crazy excited here. But you've got an identity now. You have a defense that you feel like you can count on, and you have an offense that can run the ball. Just start with that. Keep it simple. I want to see that next week. I want to see them coming out and doing the same damn thing, because if you can do it against Penn State, you can do it against Rutgers. You smoked Rutgers last... Well, no, you didn't smoke them, but you beat Rutgers last year. You should be able to beat them again, and then all of a sudden, we're at four and five with Minnesota, Iowa, and Northwestern left on the schedule. I mean, before the season, there would have been ways that as we kind of pick apart this schedule, we might have said three and four going into Penn State. Oh, you lose to Penn State, you're three and five. But hey, you got winnable games out there. So you're not all that far off from where you want to be. I'm only going to say this once because I don't want to belabor the what could have been. But imagine if you had just won the Maryland or Purdue games and you're at four and four. Or imagine if you'd won both and you were at five and three. You'd be a national story. You're going to be a national story tonight on SportsCenter and all that and during all these football halftime shows, as you should be. You're going to get pub. And this is even more impactful than what happened week zero. That was big to get Bielema's face on the TV again, his opening uh, win at Illinois. That was a big deal. But this is a win on the road against a top 10 team. That resonates. I hope it resonates in recruiting as well. Uh, and I, I got to think it will, even if, you know, high school recruiting, but also the transfer portal. Just come in here, offensive linemen. Look at what we're already doing. You can start right away, and, and, and we'll see how they build that. And it will take time. I mean, this will not be something that, oh, we beat Penn State, so no rebuild. There probably will still be a rebuild, but I'm hoping you can at least fast track it on the backs of some momentum. And now you got the rest of the season to watch much more closely. I mean, good Lord, the juice that I'll have now for the Rutgers game compared to what I assumed I would, thinking, oh, who cares? And yes, I'm not going to probably go in the stadium. I'll be at Lot 31 watching it on TV, but I'll be watching it intently. And if they win, four and five, and then, okay, who knows, right? Because I think you can beat Minnesota. I would hope you beat Northwestern for the love of God. 
right? I mean, they're terrible. We saw today they hung with Michigan, and then Michigan just, guess what, ran the ball down their throats. Now, you may not have the Jimmys and Joes that Michigan does, but you should be able to run the ball down their throats. And I would hope that Bielema, being the coach that he is, is not going to do what Lovey did back in 2019 and allow that kind of performance against Northwestern to happen. Now, let's talk about the whole season, right? You were three and five. And as I was texting with Isaac and Trevor earlier today, as Trevor said, you know, you can't argue with the fact there's progress here. Right? Not in terms of wins and losses, maybe, but you look at the Purdue game and the Maryland game, and you look now at this, you look at the Nebraska season opening win, there have been two blowouts, Virginia and Wisconsin, but you were batting a much higher percentage of competitive football than you were during most of Lovey Smith's tenure, and especially last year. So with that in mind, overall, we are trending, <clears throat> excuse me, trending the right way. But when you aren't winning, it's hard to see that. And it's it's also something you don't even want to broach because when you're two and five, and if you were to say, well, we're two and five, but I like where they're going. Well, you, you didn't even gain 100 yards against Wisconsin. Oh, yeah, true, but I like where we're going. You would sound like an idiot, right? Sometimes you just need a damn win to actually be able to talk about some of the more positive developments because I, I it's not like I would try to purposefully avoid talking about the positives, but... When it doesn't feel good, it doesn't feel good. At least today, it feels good. And I really hope this is something they build on. I mean, man, I said this would be a short podcast. We're 25 minutes in. I probably got a few more minutes in me, but um, just just remarkable stuff. And I'm excited to kind of peruse Twitter and see all, you know, my texts are blowing up with all these people excited, Alani football fans thinking, whoa, I mean, what the hell was that? Um, just, Just so cool, man. Harry Black seeing him celebrate on Twitter. He's a Philly Eagles fan and has that Pennsylvania connection. So I know it's exciting for him. I think he was on the sidelines for the Illinois-Penn State game back in 2014. Isaac Ambrose with a good old let's go, you know, and just kind of reading through this and just seeing happiness. Trevor Valise, as I always say, Illinois is the most dangerous ninth overtime team in the country. From Jeremy Warner, Illinois upsets number seven Penn State 20-18 to in non-upple overtime, the longest game in college football history. Wow. As the News Gazette's front page for sports section is already up, stunning. Maybe that's a newspaper to get. Maybe that is a newspaper to get tomorrow at the grocery store. As Bob Zupke, at Bob Zupke, says, what are we drinking? Soon enough, Bob. Elijah Craig. Neat. Gotta celebrate. Seeing the Penn State, the official account, uh, final Illinois 20, Penn State 18. Harry Black, best nine overtime, one percentage in program history. Illinois, 1.000 1.000 tied for second. Everyone else minus Penn State and Penn State 000. As Lon says, well done, Harry Black. Man. Are you happy, Alani fans? Let's soak that in. Maybe you're listening to this on the way to the basketball game tonight. Um, I'm, I can't wait to don my Kofi jersey and sit in the 200 level. Aptly titled podcast, I know. And I really hope the football team makes an appearance. They should. That's cool. I mean, this doesn't happen much. You know, earlier this morning, there was, I think it was, let's see, 22 years to the day that Illinois beat Michigan on the road, number nine Michigan on the road. And I saw the highlights of Rocky Harvey, the last two scores, and thought, oh, that's great. And I remember that day very well because I was just kind of getting into Illinois football, but it was two days after my birthday. So this is a nice little birthday present for me. My birthday seems to do good things when Illinois plays top 10 teams on the road. And I'm with my mom spending some of my birthday money at the mall. And then my dad 
calls us on, I'm guessing my mom had a blocky cell phone and said, Illinois just beat Michigan. And even as I was just really getting into college football, that meant a lot. So if you tell me before the season in any way, shape, or form that Illinois wins at Penn State, I'd say that's the best one in the season. And here we are, right? 21 years to the day from when Illinois beat Tom Brady and Michigan at the big house. I would love to think just like that sprung that team to a great rest of the season that this could do the same. We saw a team respond after all the adversity from earlier this week with the media outrage. I think Dan Orlovsky even said something uh, to that effect early in the game. I did not hear it, so I don't want to take him out of context. And we spoke about that on the Thursday podcast, that it was it was taken out of context and not really worth making a big deal of. But what if all that hubbub actually was, I don't know, it's cliche to say it, a rallying cry for the team, something to get them going, anything to get them going, a bye week, and then you get to go play a top 10 team on the road, and you're two and five, and a bowl game seems like a pipe dream, and they went in there and they beat freaking Penn State. Love it. We'll see what happens next. Uh, we will be back tomorrow as well to talk a little bit of the Illini basketball scrimmage and what we saw. That might be a shorter podcast too. And a more reaction of this, but uh, what a win. Illini fans, enjoy it. I am. Uh, celebrate however you want to. It is worthy of big, big time celebration. Get a few extra beers at the State Farm Center tonight because not often you beat a top 10 team on the road and not often that you witness what you hope is a program turning win. Please let that be the case. Brett Bielma, well done, sir. Alani football, man. To say that you're proud of guys, 18 to 22-year-olds that you don't know, I don't know if that's creepy or not, but I'll say as an alum and a fan, I'm proud. That was awesome. They fought their asses off today, and they got the win to show for it, and they deserve that win. Um, so finally, some new highlights to show. <laughs> you know, just like how Illinois basketball was the Tyler Griffey shot against Indiana that they had to show time and time again. And then within the last two years, we got a bunch of new highlights, so we won't be seeing that one quite as much. I'm hoping that no offense to James McCourt, because I love him, but as time goes on, we don't need to continue to see just the kick against Wisconsin or the crazy comeback at Michigan State. I want this program in a place where they can be making new highlights as they go. So let's hope that between this and the Nebraska game and then maybe another one or two this year that you can start piling those up and get the good vibes back. For Dad's Day against Rutgers, at least there's going to be some juice in the lots and I'm going to be that much more excited to hopefully see this team go four and five and be within striking distance of a bowl game. Just like that. Wow. All right. 200 Levels brought to you by DP Doe. Online at dpdoe.com. Get yourself a celebratory calzone. They will deliver anywhere in Champaign-Urbana. If you've already started imbibing, you should be. You really should be. Again, that's dpdoe.com. Fourth and Kirby online at fourthandkirby.com. Vintage-inspired Illini apparel. Basketball and football. I've got my big guy shirt ready to go for next football tailgate. That's fourthandkirby.com. Rector Construction online at rectorconstruction.com for all your home exterior remodeling needs. Rectorconstruction.com. And finally, State Farm Agent Brian Hansen online at brianismyguy.com for life, auto, home, business, renters, you name it. Brian is my guy. He can be your guy at brianismyguy.com. Alana Inquirer, the Champagne Showers Podcast Network. Thank you guys for your partnership. Thank you, listeners. If you want to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, that goes a long way as people try to find some new Alani podcast. You guys have kept us going, and after a win like this, it's good to get, come on, all the people that haven't listened to Alani podcast, welcome back. 
Welcome back into the fold. I bet the numbers for this are going to beat the Nebraska win. Because Illini football fans, we're there. We're waiting. Just give us a little glimmer, and we're going to be happy with that. And I know I'm happy today. All right, see you at the State Farm Center tonight. You know where I'll be. The 200 level.